Hello there guys and girls and welcome one and all to the Infernal Symphony Pestilence podcast, the glorious episode 4. Happy New Year. <laughs> yes, how are we doing guys? Infernal Hordes, this is Demonic Bishop here back again with you for a brand new edition and first ever of 2020 of the Infernal uh, Symphony Pestilence podcast. Yes, we are back. We have had a fantastic time over Christmas and New Year. I hope all of you guys have as well. It's brilliant to get back doing the podcast again. I ate far too much. I drank far too much over Christmas. Uh, I worked far too much as well, and not even on music, which was the worst part. That was quite uh, annoying because I had to work Boxing Day and a few other days. So it's been pretty ramajammed. Um, but hopefully you guys have had a nice holiday. And, uh, yeah, I'm really excited to get on with the podcast for this month, and I'm really excited that you guys have decided to join me as well. I've noticed that the uh, the audience, um, you know, the listener members, um, the, the amount of people listening to the podcast has, has grown over the past couple of months, so that's really reassuring to see. So keep it going, guys. Remember to share the podcast, uh, especially, you know, given the fact that Facebook have now decided to start trying to prevent me from sharing posts on Facebook, uh, because obviously if you remember at the tail end of the last month's edition, I mentioned that that was one of my only methods of promotion, and that has now been taken from me. So I would really appreciate it if you guys listened to this podcast and shared it around and uh, try and help me get a bit more exposure. That would be fantastic, but we'll go into that in a little bit more detail later on. We've got an absolutely massively packed show for you this month, guys, so thank you very much for uh, for tuning in, and uh, I'll go through some of the little things we're going to talk about in just a sec. But first, um, I'm just going to give you a quick little message from my own sponsor, which is actually myself. Because, uh, you know, I'd love to have more people listen to the music. It's been growing a hell of a lot over the past year or so. Um, Loads more people have been listening, and that's fantastic. Um, um, But with with me having um, so many releases that I want to get out this year, and we're going to talk about all the sorts of different things that I've got planned for the year ahead on this edition. So I'd love for you guys to, uh, to get the most out of that, and I'd love for as many people to get the most out of that as well. So this edition is going to be based around some of the stuff I've got planned uh, for the next couple of months in particular but also the sorts of ideas and albums I've got planned for the rest of the year as well so some of them I won't be going into a great amount of detail on because A, some of them aren't done yet B, some of them are nowhere near being done yet and uh, also a few of them um, I don't really want to spoil the surprises of but uh, nevertheless, needless to say I've got tons of uh, surprises up my sleeve as ever so uh You know, we're going to get into those very, very quickly, along with talking about all the usual sort of discussion points and exciting things that's happened. Um, In particular, we're going to talk about uh, some of the things I do to prepare for recording and some of my equipment that I've enjoyed using over the years and also the sort of stuff that I use now. Uh, That's just going to be one little thing we're going to talk about, but we'll go into everything else very shortly. Um, For now, guys, make sure you check out infernalsymphonyuk.bandcamp.com where you will find all of my released music and you can also subscribe there to the Heathens Club as well, which allows you to gain a hell of a lot more of it for a hell of a lot cheaper um, and plenty more benefits besides. So without further ado, before that, I'm going to play. So uh, at the moment, we haven't really got any new uh, releases that are upcoming apart from the Litany of Arrows EP, which I already detailed quite comprehensively last month. So I'm not going to play you any tracks from that. But uh, 
what I am going to do is, uh, for this episode, with it being a new year, I thought it'd be a nice chance to look back and reflect on the past couple of years since Infernal, uh, Infernal Symphony started, and we'll go through some of my personal favourite songs that I've done, um, and tell you a little bit more um, in, in depth about them, about how I wrote them, and why I made certain choices with them um, as we go. So I'm going to pepper this month's edition of the podcast with some of my personal favourite songs that I've written, hopefully you guys agree as well, and we're going to go into some detail about uh, you know, some of the specific nitty gritties about what I did and, and why, so... Hopefully that's going to be entertaining, guys. There's obviously tons of other stuff as well. I'm going to go through those as we get to them, uh, because as ever, I have not real, uh, you know, not very much of a plan. But uh, I'm pretty sure that's what helps keep this interesting. So, without further ado, quick message from our sponsors, and then we're going to get um, get going properly and dive into this. So, thanks very much once again, guys, for joining me and listening, and I will be back in just a few moments. Okay then guys, so in lieu of an official sponsor, which we somehow are still waiting for Anchor to move the sponsorships from America only to uh, the rest of the world, including where I am, the UK, instead this section is going to be filled with a quick little uh, promo for my own uh, business venture. So in other words, this is a little bit of a promo for Infernal Symphony's Bandcamp plus the Heathens Club and uh, anything else that we've got coming up as well. So head to infernalsymphonyuk.bandcamp.com that is where you'll find all of our um, released um, albums, singles and EPs all of our whole discographies on there so you can listen to it all for free you can download most of it for a measly sum of £2.50 or slightly higher for longer albums and there are occasionally uh, you know the odd uh, free album here or there or pay what you like album so that includes the debut that I created so many many moons ago Unholy Persecution and it's going to include an EP coming up in a couple of months as well um, but further to that you can head to the Heathens Club section of the site as well which allows you to subscribe to the Infernal Symphony Fan Club The Heathens Club which allows you to not only receive a ton of loads of different albums and EPs that have already come out it'll also sign you up to instantly receive any of the new ones that come out in the future um, including all the new Dungeon Synth stuff that's coming up next year um, further to that it also gives you 20% off of all of our merchandise it allows you to get exclusive updates and polls and videos and photos from the Infernal Symphony fan club which also allows you to not only message me Demonic Bishop directly it also allows you to message other fellow Infernal Symphony fans face to face as well so there's tons of benefits guys if you're not signed up to it already you really should do so head to infernalsymphonyuk.pancamp.com head to the Heathens Club £3 a month and all of this could be yours Alright then guys, so it has of course turned into a brand new year, which is of course the year 2020. And uh, to celebrate the occasion, I did actually do a post on the Infernal Symphony uh, Facebook page, um, basically uh, just before the uh, the, you know, the end of the last year. So I'm actually just going to quickly read that out for you now. Um, basically just because um, there's some interesting stuff in there that I think, you know, if I do say so myself, I put pretty early, so I'd just like to repeat that here now, just in case anyone didn't actually sort of, uh, you know, uh, basically see it or, uh, you know, have it appear for them due to the, the weird things that Facebook's been doing. But nevertheless, here we go. Okay, so uh, this is a message from the Infernal Symphony Crypt, which was posted on the uh, 27th of December. So here it goes. My, 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 Infernal Hordes, what a year 2019 has ended up to be. 
It's had its fair share of ups and downs, more downs, even more ups, and its own beautiful twists and turns, surprises, and craziness, mixed with horrifically disjointed narratives, much like our music, ending in a crescendo for the ages. And so, a perfect setting for the year ahead, and the bright future set towards crafting the unerring legacy that this project began almost five full years ago. I honestly can't believe how far we've come. What began as a personal, private little ambition to craft a single, semi-listenable album in 2015, while I was still in the midst of being in the band Sickened, has since blossomed into the blasphemous behemoth that stands before us now. Twelve full-length albums in, we show no signs of slowing down. In actual fact, we have six releases at minimum planned for 2020 so far, and who knows just how many more will surface over the next upcoming decade. We are still literally scratching the very tip of our esoteric demonic iceberg and we can't wait to unleash what's to come. This year has been a bevy of monumental milestones which have come our way from the giants such as record setting albums, rave reviews and the relaunch of this very podcast and the Heathens Club premium subscription service all the way to the numerous smaller victories like the addition of the dungeon synth to our existing Infernal Symphony Sonic template as a viable option and alternative, the influx of new support, listeners, likes, shares and follows, the warm response to our donation plea for financing a replacement recording setup, or even the adoption of Twitter and YouTube by the project for the very first time. The unwavering and inspirational support of our fans and followers has garnered over 350 Instagram follows to date, over 700 Facebook likes, over 5,000 song plays and over 30 purchases this year alone. Not bad for our crummy little DIY black and progressive doom, death and black metal band by a single lone ginger dude. I am so excited for what's to come. Some projects on the horizon include a brand new free EP, which you guys will already know about, three new Dungeon Synth albums, a remaster of a very special secret and commemorative release, um, plus, of course, even more to come. And we can't wait to see what happens and see what next is in store for us. None of this would have been possible without your unending and mind-numbing support from you, our loyal, irreplaceable fans listening to this now. From the bottom of my cold, satanic heart, I very much wholeheartedly thank you. May you listen well into 2020 and the next decade and beyond, and I shall endeavour to keep on bettering this band with every single release. I wish you all a very happy new year, and the best with everything that concerns you in the year ahead with your future endeavours, Stay close, Infernal Symphonites. Yours truly. So there we go, guys. Apologies for the uh, slight interruption there. But essentially, that pretty much, very, very much eloquently sums up my thoughts on the year and also my thoughts on the year ahead. So I just wanted to do, uh, just have a little bit of an audio a visual record of that just in case that post wasn't noticed by anybody. But there we go. So it's looking to be uh, shaping up to be an incredibly fantastic year, guys. I'm so excited to have you along for the ride. And fingers crossed... We have an absolutely fantastic year this year. I really can't wait to see what's going to happen. And I really hope you guys carry on listening because, you know, if you think you've uh, enjoyed some of our music so far, let me tell you right here, right now, you've seen nothing yet. 
So uh, just before we do that, guys, a slight mix-up to the usual uh, routine of the podcast. Instead of doing the sponsorship straight away, I'm actually going to go and dive straight into a track. Um, because, as I said, it's an exciting time of the year with it being the start of a brand new year. Um, and it's also, uh, as I said just a second ago, not only a fantastic moment and opportunity to not, go, not only go into my plans for the year in detail, but also uh, to give you a little bit of a taste of what we've accomplished already. So... I'm going to play you one of my favourite tracks that I've ever written. Um, it is going to be from um, the fifth album that we did, Tapestry of Torment. One of my favourite tracks, um, not only that I've written, but also uh, you know of the ones that I've released so far. Um, so this is a track that's only a little track, to be fair. Um, but obviously it's quite difficult to find quite a, a short track um, on this album, given the fact that it's a, a double album that's got a hell of a lot of long progressive songs on it. But it's a it's a track that I think may have gone slightly unnoticed and is flown a little bit under the radar and is probably a little bit underrated. So without further ado, this is a track from Tapestry of Torment called Sacrificial Chamber. Um, and it's basically got a heavy influence of uh, Buckethead and uh, Alice Cooper and a few other, um, not only just uh, virtuoso guitarists in the way they structure their songs, but also a little bit of uh, classic rock influence. So see if you can pick out where that comes from. I'll be playing that in just a sec.
So that was uh, Sacrificial Chamber there, guys. The 11th track off of my fifth album, Tapestry of Torment. Um, hopefully the audio quality wasn't too rough on the ears there for you. Um, but that's one of my favourite tracks that I wrote from that album. There's plenty of others that I could have picked as well. But if I'd have picked pretty much any of the others, we would have been here all day. Uh, so I'm going to tell you just a quick little bit about that song um, in a moment. And we'll probably do that with a couple of other songs as well. Um, but for now, um, I'm going to give you a quick message from our sponsors and then we will be right back so there we go that was a message from myself as a sponsor and previous to that that was also sacrificial chamber from my fifth album tapestry of torment so just a quick little word about that song because we've got a hell of a lot of stuff that we need to get through this uh for the next hour or so so this song was one of the shorter tracks i wrote for the album and um i had a great time writing it i more or less wrote it in pretty much one sitting really as to be honest I tend to do for a majority of my songs. Um, but this one was a bit of a particular case because uh, it was the first thing in the morning. I think I wrote it about probably about half six uh, in the morning. Uh, and basically I woke up, uh, I had a terrible night's sleep. I actually had a bad dream about uh, you know being tortured. And it kind of led me on to um, you know, writing this because I, I couldn't sleep. I needed something to do. So uh, I went to the computer, started recording, started playing around. This is back when I lived on my own and, uh, you know, I, I didn't really have any neighbours or anything like that to worry about, um, you know, to, to, to wake up at that sort of time in the morning. So I just cracked on with it, uh, banged it out within about sort of uh, probably about an hour. Um, and, f- oh, you know, at that point in time, this is going back about two years ago now, um, probably even three actually, given the fact we're in 2020 now, bloody hell. Um, so, yeah, so anyway... I was listening to a lot of Buckethead at the time, and not so much trying to copy the the soloing or anything like that, but more just listening to the backing tracks and the song structure and the rhythm uh, tracks that he does on a lot of his Pike albums. Um, and uh, I noticed that because what I was having trouble with was trying to come up with a typical song structure, because normally I just tend to just loop uh, different solo things and different riffs that I've come up with um, that tie together in some way, and, and then just kind of correlate them into some sort of song structure. Whereas I wanted to try something that was a bit unusual for me oddly, which was a, an actual typical song structure where it's just got a normal, you know, intro, verse, chorus, verse, end kind of structure to it. Uh, and that's sort of what happened. I did end up doing soloing things as well because obviously it was part of a wider piece with it being part of Tapestry of Torment. That's a, you know, a hell, hell of a massive undertaking that was at the time. It was a really good concept album. Um, and obviously the story of that follows, I'm not going to go into detail like I usually do, but it's basically the story of a Christian in the modern time that touches a, a, a forbidden tapestry in a museum um, that takes him, travels him through time back into the Middle Ages in the middle of the Sahara Desert or somewhere like that in the Middle East. And uh, it's basically a long convoluted story about him, you know, either siding with the Christians or with the Satanists as part of a massive holy war. And Sacrificial Chamber is about midway through the story where he's already sort of uh, tagged along with the Christian uh, warbanders for a while. And, uh, you know, he's kind of seen some horrible, gruesome things that they've done in the name of God. So he thought, well, you know, what have I got to lose? Maybe I should try signing with the Satanists instead. Um, and this is basically um, sort of midway through his journey with the Satanist uh, camp. And uh, basically they, they discover a sacrificial chamber, like a burial chamber and a torture chamber, underneath the desert um, because they're in search of um, basically some sort of warrior uh, witch who's going to help them out. Um, which, funnily enough, also became the song uh, Goddess Through the Coven, which is also another of my favourite tracks. But I haven't played it because it's a bit long for the podcast. But you never know, I might play it on another episode. But yeah, so it's it's not only is it involved in the story quite significantly, it's also a nice, lovely track with some uh, fairly simple, uh, rudimentary uh, rhythmic guitars 
in the background. Um, but I really liked the way I, I did this song. I liked the, the kind of layers and the smooth reverb on, on some of the guitar parts, uh, some of the leads. And overall, it's just a really satisfying, more of a rocky track, you know, something a little bit different to what I typically do. So that's why it was included on the album, and that's why it was included on the podcast. So, guys, we have a couple of last-minute additions, just uh, just a few days before the episode uh, is due to air. I'm basically just adding these in, basically just to cover a couple of different topics, which I, you know, basically intended to include in last month's Christmas edition, uh, but basically ran out of time for because it was already over two hours long and I didn't really want to inflate it anymore because, you know, the chances of most of you guys listening to right to the end of that is pretty slim at the, you know, at, at, at the best. So basically I wanted to talk about just a couple of things that occurred during the month of December, which basically didn't really, uh, you know, kind of, you know, weren't really pressing enough for me to include in the episode, but I want to talk about them now anyway. So basically the first thing I wanted to mention was, uh, you know, basically the fact that uh, Slayer had their final show during uh, basically the end of November, but also that you know it kind of carried on into the start of December because it was basically right at the end of the month. So, just wanted to report on that. Uh, loads of places have already talked about it already, but Slayer have been quite a big influence for me. So I thought it was at least worth me bringing them up, at least uh, temporarily here. Um, they've been a phenomenal band. They've had such a fantastic, uh, you know, long-standing career. Plenty of brilliant albums and songs. Uh, some of my personal favourites include stuff like Angel of Death and Rain in, Rain in Blood. You know, the album. Uh, you know, I remember buying that album. Uh, for about two quid from um, HMV when that was still in Nottingham. Um, so that was a bit weird because um, I wasn't really uh, into them at the time when I first bought the album. But, um, you know, they basically grew on me from there after many repeated listens because I wasn't quite into stuff quite that heavy at the time. You know, I'd mostly just started to get into bands such as Megadeth and Anthrax and the other, you know, thrash bands similar to that of that ilk. Uh, Testament's another one. So I was starting to get into the heavier side of things. Um, this is bear in mind about 15 years ago, so I'd probably been about you know, maybe, well, fairly young, basically. But nevertheless, they're, you know, obviously a hugely, massively influential band. Um, You know, as well, my previous band, Sickened, were hugely influenced by Slayer, probably a bit too much, if anything, as well. Um, And they're obviously, you know, about 10 or 11 years apiece, my senior, um, both the guys that are still in that band. Um, But they're, you know, huge uh, sort of Slayer fans. They're, They're not always the most diehard fans because... You know, when Jeff Hanneman died, they pretty much knew it spelled the end right from the get-go, and they didn't really support the newest lineup, featuring uh, Gary Holt of Exodus and uh, crap, what's the other guy's name? I can't remember now. It'll come to me. I can see his face, but but nevertheless, they had the final show. Um, I think it was um, about the 29th or the 30th of November um, in LA. Uh, there's a you know, it's an absolutely star-studded uh, audience, including people such as Post Malone, Kirk Hammett. Uh, Dirk Verburen from Megadeth and Soilwork and a few other bands, um, you know, members as well. Um, so yeah, all in all, it was a very, very special night for those in attendance by the looks of it. Um, I'll be sad to see them go. I have actually uh, seen them live once before. Um, only the once, mind you, which is a bit unfortunate. Um, but basically I remember seeing them at the, uh, the, the first ever UK Big Four performance at Sonosphere in about 2011, 2012, I want to say. So that was, uh, you know, absolutely remarkable day for me in my sort of young fledgling uh, sort of musical uh, expertise at the time because, uh, you know, I was a huge fan of the Big Four. I just started to get into them and, you know, I learned all the history about all the bands and backstory. Obviously, I'd been a fan of Megadeth for many years before that as well. Um, but that was about the time I started to get into Anthrax and Slayer and bands like that. So it was fantastic to see all four of them live. Of course, with a you know a special impromptu performance uh, and collab with with Diamond Head on the stage as well. Obviously, for the 
you know, the finale of Am I Evil right at the end. So that was nice. I'd already watched it on, uh, you know, at the cinema and on Blu-ray at that point, but it's still nice to see in person as well. And that's a nice, neat little addition which spiced it up a bit as well. So, uh, so yeah. So the future remains a bit weird for them, really. It seems like they're going to continue in some sort of form. Um, they're not obviously going to be playing live anymore. But uh, nevertheless, we'll have to see how it goes, see what their plans are. I know they've got quite a lot of songs left over from the Repentless sessions a few years back, which are unreleased. So my best guess would be that they're planning to put those out along with some uh, unreleased stuff at some stage. Probably give it a couple of years or, or you know, you know, basically as soon as the, uh, you know, the, the uh, bank accounts start looking a bit fragile. I'm sure they'll put something else like that out. But yeah, nevertheless, rest in peace, Slayer. It's, it, you know, it's been a wild ride and you will be missed. Uh, so uh, there we are. So the next thing I wanted to mention briefly, because we haven't got loads of time left on the podcast, um, is basically a weird little story that I heard floating around. Um, obviously, this is about three, four, five weeks ago now um, at the time of recording. But essentially, there was a weird little bit of drama all, all across social media, whether it was Instagram, YouTube, Facebook, you name it. There was all sorts of people basically talking about a bit of a scandal regarding certain YouTubers and, uh, you know, guitarists that post to YouTube and to other, you know, places such as Instagram. Basically about being fake guitarists. So I don't know the whole details of this. It's a little bit weird, to be honest, because it seems like the most 2019 thing to be talking about ever, because I don't really get why people are getting their panties in such of a twist about it but you know it was something that was a bit notable that I noticed that I picked up on through my you know relatively slim social media presence so I thought I'd at least comment on it and uh, I can't really remember the names of the people in question however I do know there is one guitarist from a band uh, a German band which I was recently introduced to called Unprocessed which were a phenomenal really really good tech death band um you know, similar to uh, Animals as Leaders, that kind of, uh, you know, style of music where it's instrumental and quite interesting. I think some of those tracks are instrumental anyway, but, you know, I digress. But basically, that guitarist was um, at the centre of sort of the uh, the controversy, along with a few others as well. And essentially all it boiled down to was people claiming that, uh, based on certain videos they'd watched of them playing guitar, that uh, it was their hypothesis that they'd basically you know, played something that they couldn't really quite play properly, so therefore they basically tried recording it really slowly and then speeding up the end result to make it appear more impressive to gain more of a social media following. So I personally don't believe this was true. I think this is just sort of manufactured drama that people are cooking up to kind of make themselves feel a little more secure about their own guitar playing because there was a video I watched um, by Become the Night on YouTube that basically explained one of the videos where, you know, if you compare it to other... This is obviously the, the guitarist from Unprocessed. If you compare it to other videos of the same guy playing as well, um, similar sorts of uh, parts of different songs, he, he pretty much plays it the same sort of way anyway, something to do with the way his hand was picking. It looked like it was glitching slightly or, or a bit weird, but basically that's just the way he plays. Um, so that one's more or less debunked. Um, there's probably a few others which do do this. Uh, personally, it doesn't really bother me that much because at the end of the day, whenever you record something, especially for a video of social media, anything on social media really, you know, people never present what's you know realistic. There's always an element of uh, embellishment there. So I don't really see what all the hoo ha is about personally. However, it does sort of irk me when bands, you know kind of use a few too many studio tricks to make things sound good you know there's a there is a limit i'm not saying it's a bad thing altogether because this is the modern age you know we have computers we have auto-tune all that sort of stuff um i personally would never use any of it but i am known to use things such as punching in certain solos occasionally or uh, you know getting the right takes for the studio because 
Recording a studio track is a bit of its own beast, really, and you can't always be expected to play everything first take every time, particularly depending on what you're playing and what the goals of it are. So, you know, having said that, a lot of the stuff I actually create, although I may, you know, give it multiple takes till I get it right, more often than not, a lot of the actual riffs and ideas I have, particularly when playing guitar on some of my older songs, were basically created on the spur of the moment as the recording button was pressed. So a lot of those riffs I haven't actually pre-planned or sort of arranged or, or thought about beforehand. It's pretty much just been whatever I've sort of, you know, basically played on the spot really. I know I'll get the emotional uh, sort of resonance of the song in mind. I'll think about the themes. I'll think about what kind of sound I want to portray. And then all of that kind of boils down and channels through my fingers at the moment and, and basically... Once, you know, the the drum beat's going and the recording button's been pressed, I just let it rip and just see what happens, really. So, um, so in that regard, a lot of the stuff that you've heard from me isn't really that filtered or processed at all, to be honest. You know, it's not something I, uh, you know, I don't really agonise over specific parts very often. And if I do, it's because I want a very specific sound. Um, but as for, sl- sl- you know, recording things slowly and then speeding it up after the fact, that's something that I've never done and, and never will do. So, rest assured, guys... Anything you hear from Infernal Symphony's music is 100% authentic, genuine, and basically as good as I can do, really. You know, I just always try my best, so that's all it comes down to for that, really. So if you're interested, check some of the videos out. They're a bit weird and a bit naff, really, but I thought I'd mention that as well, um, just to give people my two cents on it. And finally, the last thing I was just wanted to quickly mention as well is this is sort of old news now because it has been around for a little while. But uh, since I didn't really get a chance to actually uh, talk about it or promote it on the last podcast episode, and since it is quite an important uh, sort of thing really, I thought I'd mention it now. And basically that is the fact that I have basically bowed to my own internal pressures and uh, despite you know all of my sort of uh, things that I normally do, I have basically ended up creating a fundraiser on, on Facebook. So if you go onto my personal profile, which is Dominic Bishop on Facebook, I have started up a fundraiser on uh, YouTube, a personal fundraiser, which is basically helped, uh, you know, designed to help me somehow try and afford to get this uh, recording setup started. And, uh, you know, it's not something I've liked to do. You know, this certainly wasn't an easy decision by any stretch of the imagination because it is absolutely the last thing I wanted to do, really, was resort to charity. And I'm always all, all about trying to give back to anyone that chooses to support me by giving them a good deal on, you know, loads of different music or, you know, basically some sort of added value. I don't like to just accept, you know, charity just for the hell of it. But, uh, you know, to be honest, guys, it's kind of at the point now where I've been without a, a proper decent recording setup for nearly two years now. And I really need to start digging in and getting back into the saddle a bit more. So, you know, if this helps speed that up, maybe it's not exactly the way I'd like it to be. But, uh, you know, if it's going to help and it's going to get me writing and recording music quicker and get you guys listening to some quality guitar music again, then I think we can all agree that's a a worthy cause, really. So, yes, I know it's not as important as some other things out there, such as humanitarian disasters and, uh, you know, maybe to fund the care of, uh, you know, old you know, uh, relative or something, but, you know, uh, if you go on the fundraiser, you'll read the description there, and that basically explains what it is that I'm after, and why it's so important to me, so, please check that out, guys, obviously, don't, you know, don't, you know, donate anything if you can't really afford to, just donate what you can, if you'd like, and to be honest, if you don't, then, you know, you know, I won't take it personally whatsoever, because I appreciate that it's difficult times at the moment, but if uh, you know, if you could just spare just anything that you possibly can, it would really, really help me out a big, 
great deal because, uh, like I say, it's been really, really difficult past the year or so trying to, you know, as much as I've loved making the Dungeon Synth albums, it has definitely been a lot to adapt to and, uh, you know, as good as it is and as, as much as I'm able to do with it, I, I still can't quite always scratch that itch of, you know, just having a big meaty guitar riff that I can lay down. Um, you know, obviously there's certain kinds of songs that I'd love to write that have been in my head for a while now which just wouldn't translate correctly through the medium of Dungeon Synth, whereas, you know, with a full brand new guitar recording setup, you know, I'm not really asking for a lot, really. Just something fairly basic and straightforward that's not going to, you know, have uh, too much latency. Just allow me to just put down the most basic stuff, similar to as I did before. Hopefully with the uh, added experience I've had with, uh, you know, the year since, the actual sound quality and everything will be a bit better, particularly with it being a new uh, setup. It hopefully would have a slightly higher audio fidelity. It would still be quite lo-fi because that's kind of my thing, really. But, you know, I still want it to be at least a bit better, uh, you know, basically, especially for the, you know, if people do donate, then... Obviously, I'd, I'd like to, you know, have something to show for that and to give something back to everybody. So, you know, um, the actual quality of it would be a lot better. And uh, I've got some brilliant stuff lined up that I've written that I would love to record and uh, have you guys listen to. So, you know, it's important for that reason. Um, and basically, generally, it's just nice to just help out a creative thinker and, you know, try and help spur people on to achieve their dreams. That's the, the main thing I've always been interested in, you know, whenever I've helped out other people. So, you know, if you guys want to return the favour, I would be... Absolutely flabbergasted and, you know, incredibly happy with that. So thank you so much, guys, for those that have donated already. Um, I think the, the fundraiser's been up for around about a month or so now. Um, at the time of writing, we've had at least £25 donated already, some of which has been through the fundraiser itself on Facebook, which is called um, Infernal Symphony Recording Solution. If So if you search for that uh, under the fundraisers panel, you should be able to find that. Um, I have actually also had a couple of other people who have asked me for other different ways to donate because they're not, like, say, for example, they're not particularly fond of the idea of having their personal card details stored on Facebook servers, which I, I fully, totally, completely understand. So so there are alternative methods as well. So you can always message me for my own personal uh, PayPal information or, alternative, uh, you know, alternatively, if you'd rather not get into any of that but you still want to support us, then, uh, you know, same as usual, think about subscribing to the Heathens Club. That nets you tons and tons of uh, free music for your trouble as well as loads of other extra benefits and exclusive music or alternatively you can just uh think about purchasing uh, one or more of the albums that are up on the uh, discography so uh, obviously that uh, to get to that you'd go to infernalsymphonyuk.bandcamp.com so so as you can see guys there's a hell of a lot of different ways that you, you can support me uh, you know regardless of whether it uh, involves the actual fundraiser itself or not I'm not particularly bothered and to be honest if you know if you're just one of those chaps that just likes to listen to free music and you're not really too interested in supporting me financially then you know I, that's completely fine you know I do the same with a lot of other bands that I like you know, it's only really the bands that I, I really, really, truly am, am passionate about that I'll, I'll dedicate funds to, uh, particularly these days because they are quite thin on the ground at the moment. But even, you know, historically, like, I'd you know, for the bands that I really, really, you know, enjoyed that, that were really near and dear to me, I would go out of my way to support uh, financially and in other ways just to, just to ensure they carry on going. So that's all I'm asking of you guys, really. So I know there's enough dedicated people out there um, that I, I'm fairly confident we can kind of get this sorted and in the bag pretty quickly. Um, like I say, already £25 has been donated. I'm looking for around about 150 at the moment, which, uh, you know, I actually have some some money stored away already. It's nowhere near enough uh, to get what I'm after. 
Um, but if you want a full breakdown of everything I'm looking for, that is somewhere on the fundraising page as well. Um, basically, depending on how much is donated, that'll uh, you know improve in different ways, and I'll dedicate those funds to you know the most appropriate thing, depending on how much is raised altogether. But essentially, assuming we uh, we reach the one fifty pounds mark, I'm going to basically uh, you know do my best effort to uh, to actually match that as well. So I should have about three to three. 50 uh you know up to 400 pounds to spend on getting some gear together so coupling that with a few things that i'm looking to sell some of my personal effects i'm going to be getting rid of i'm sure that'll be enough to even just get basically a rudimentary laptop and some speakers and a few other bits and odds and ends which should hopefully get me back to where i was before um so like i say massive you know monumental thanks to everyone who's supported me so far even if it's just through listening to the music you know because you know any single amount of support i get will always inspire me it'll always support me and help me and it really makes this job a whole lot easier so massive thank you to those that have done that it all supported infernal symphony already guys but just asking you one more time because i need it now more than ever so just wanted to get that out of the way um you know i wanted to mention it on the podcast in case people who have donated were worried that i wasn't going to mention it and you know potentially have that go to waste um i believe the fundraiser is due to last up until around about march or april at the moment because that's the maximum limit facebook allows for them to last for they're not allowed to go on indefinitely so i'm not entirely sure what happens assuming that uh, you know the the goal isn't reached within that point i don't know if it will automatically refund the money to people who donated or whether uh, it would you know stay with me either way um you know i'm sure what what will happen will happen if it ends up sticking with me then it'll go to good use and go straight into the band again you know i'll uh, invest it right back into inferno symphony so there's no worries there and of course if we don't reach the goal and everyone gets their money back then everyone's happy aren't they so it's one of those really guys but nevertheless thank you for listening to this thank you for listening to the podcast and to the music and hopefully we really start getting somewhere with this because you know, my guitar playing has come on in leaps and bounds in the, uh, you know, even just the 12 months since Suicide Misanthropy and Transformation came out because, you know, they were recorded quite, uh, you know, a lot earlier on in time and I've I've been improving as a guitarist every single month um, and I just love to, you know, to, you know, to share those fruits of my labour with you. So thank you very much for that, guys. Uh, apologies for the, uh, you know, the, uh, the advertisement and the promotion of it and uh, hopefully you guys will appreciate that and we can get on with the rest of the podcast. Okay, so uh, since we've gotten one song out of the way already, we are going to play more as we go. But before that, there's a couple of other topics that I've got planned for this month's edition of the podcast, which I'd love to go over quickly with you now. So uh, so recently, I've actually been on Facebook quite a bit, trying to figure out how to uh, you know, get myself promoted. And I've been struggling, to be honest. Um, I don't really fancy paying for adverts or anything like that, because for a start, even if I wanted to, I couldn't afford to anyway. Um, but also, I just really don't agree with um, the you know the, the practice of that and you know the Facebook policies that surround that because you know as you know if you're a fan of the band you know for a fact that one of the big things that we stand up against other than religion is injustice um, in all of its forms. Um, and to be honest, although this is a bit of a kind of you know first world problems kind of you know aspect of um, injustice, it's something that has definitely aggravated me and anything that aggravates me always finds its way onto a podcast or a song in some way or another um and i just think it's a whole load of bullshit you know you've got uh, a huge one of the biggest corporations in all of the world you know facebook is one of the most highest searched websites on the entire internet and they don't pay any bloody taxes um you know they they, they just end up just making stuff up as they go along with regards to their rules um 
And, you know, there's a lot of bad things you can say about Facebook, but this this is one thing that really just gets my goat a bit, really. Um, and it's the fact that when you are a struggling, you know, starving artist, an independent musician trying to make their way in the world, trying to build a fan base, trying to get a bit of, you know, modest success, not even modest success, just, you know, just a, a, a microcosm of success, just a little microbe of success. Um, and, you know, you're working hard, slaving away. I mean, I've been doing Infinal Symphony for probably about four or five years now. Um, you know, when you include the fact that I was writing before any of the music came out as well. And it's just such a shame to see such a big corporation with so much money to throw around just make life so hard for the people that actually support its platform and are the reason it's there in the first place. Um, so, uh, obviously, as you know, Infernal Symphony's Facebook page is where the majority of my you know news posts and also promotion occurs from uh and basically what i normally tend to do with that is if i come up with quite a, a substantial post or an informative post or something that's worthy of recognition say i've released an album or we've hit a milestone or there's something that i need to get the word out about usually i'll do the post on there share it to my own page and then share it across all of the groups that i'm a part of as well um i'm part of hundreds of different groups um obviously not only just to promote to them but to involve myself in the community and make friends as well but obviously a, a large part of it is to try and get the word out there which i've done uh, historically by sharing posts time and time and time again to try and you know increase the number of eyes that view them and essentially i've gotten to the point now it seems that facebook have essentially cottoned onto this because of either i'm growing a bit too quickly or something like that but apparently my posts are now being classed as spam as part of their community guidelines which i just think is a whole load of absolute bollocks um because to be honest the only reason i even resorted to doing that in the first place i don't like doing it i can understand it could probably be a bit annoying to some people here and there you know and that's partially i, I imagine why i get a little bit of hate occasionally from people who don't really understand or um you know or in fact care about the music anyway but you know at the end of the day what other option have i got you know i can't afford to be splashing out tens of you know t you know tens and tens of of pounds worth of money each month on adverts because who the fuck does that if i was to do that you know, this whole thing would put me in debt, which, to be honest, I'm in enough debt as it is. So, uh, you know, so really, rather than pay for adverts, which, to be honest, even if I wanted to pay for adverts, and even if I could afford them, you know, they don't even actually make that much difference at all. You know, I've, I've, I've looked at tons of different videos about how to, you know, optimise them, how to gain the right audience, how to use all the parameters and settings to, you know, to make sure pe more people see it. But I'm not convinced. I've, I've tried it multiple times. I've spent far much uh, far too much money than i care to admit on it and you know i'm not doing it anymore i'm, I'm not going to give in to that kind of shit because it just doesn't work you know for the specific kind of music i do it's so uh intrinsic you know it's it's so uh kind of esoteric and unusual that that kind of blanket advertising just isn't going to work what works for me is trying to find the people that matter the fans that actually truly care because it's a very select amount of people that like this kind of thing. Because, it, uh, you know, I am more than happy to recognise it's not typical music by any stretch of the imagination. So, you know, there's only a couple of people uh, in, with a very particular taste that like this kind of thing. And I'm trying to hone in on that. And that's what the Facebook adverts are supposed to be there for. But they never actually seem to work. In my own experience, you know, I can get ten times the amount of, uh, you know, um, post views by uh, by sharing a post and giving it 24 hours to sink into the uh, the ecosystem of Facebook than I ever have by spending two, five, ten pounds on an advert because that just it, it, if anything it, it narrows the people that that, that that you know that look at it. If I share it amongst my friends and my family and people that I know on groups, 
then a hell of a lot more people would discover it than otherwise would have done if I'd have just used an advert. Um, and of course, as well, whenever people like the posts and things like that, I can add them as a friend or I can invite them to the page, gain a few more likes and a few more listens. And that's what's worked for me up to now, and that's what's caused me to grow. So the fact that Facebook are now putting a, um, you know, putting the uh, the reins on this and stamping their foot down and telling me I, I can't do that anymore is absolute. You know, it's just it's injustice on every level because essentially what they're asking me to do is to essentially pay for something which is inferior to what I'm currently doing. And I refuse to do that. So I'm not sure what the future or the solution to this is. I'm going to see whether those strikes on my Facebook account go away eventually. I'm also going to try and look into other methods. So I might use Instagram a bit more, YouTube. Uh, I've got my own website as well at infinlandsymphony.wordpress.com, which I could do things from. Uh, Plus this as well, the podcast. So there's a few other options I've got. But uh, I'm trying to figure out other ways of doing it. So if any of you guys have got any tips or any help that you can offer me, or if you've got any things that may have worked for you, if you're a musician yourself as well, don't hesitate to send them in, whether you send me a Facebook message or you know a messenger message or whether you actually send a voice message to the podcast as well. I'd love to, to hear your thoughts about this. But uh, we've gone through this for far too long now. I only wanted it to be a brief rant and it's turned into five minutes of sheer, uh, you know, destruction. So rather than that, I'm going to go over a couple of other things I want to talk about over the next 40 minutes or so. So, uh, yeah, so the point I was getting to with all of this, really, I went off on a wild tangent there, as I always seem to do. But uh, with me talking about Facebook, um, something I I discovered while I was trying to get these posts um, out there is uh, I happened to click on um, Annihilator's Facebook page because they're a band that I've I've very much looked up to for a long while. I'm a big Annihilator fan. You know, the Fun Palace and, uh, you know, uh, Alice in Hell and all those records are all phenomenal records. And I noticed them on there that uh, they've got a new album coming out. Um, It should be uh, around about the start of this year. Uh, It may even be out later this month. I'm not entirely sure. I'll have to double-check on that. But nevertheless, it should be coming out at the first quarter of this this year. And um, there's a couple of other um, albums and, uh, you know, bands that are coming out with stuff uh, recently, which I'll probably go over shortly. But I also happened to notice regarding Annihilator that this was complete news to me. And, And this is odd, given that I'm actually... I consider myself to be quite a big Annihilator fan. But I didn't realise um, up until, um, you know, recently. But basically, it seems as though their lead guitarist and, you know, main leader, Jeff Waters, um, is a Canadian guy and he's lived in Canada for most of his life in Vancouver. But it seems like he's actually moved to the UK, believe it or not. This is probably about six months ago. And I didn't know any of the background to this. I found it really interesting and really intriguing. But um, on their page, they've got a little um, sort of... um, a UK newspaper um, article that was written, and they've got pictures of that. So I read through the article via those pictures. And from the looks of it, uh, you know, Annihilator basically played a show in Bloodstock um, in 2017. So that's in Derby. That's more or less where I come from. And uh, unfortunately, I didn't catch them at, at that show because I was working too hard and I had I didn't I was basically in the middle of a house move and stuff. So it was quite difficult to go and see them. So I was really, really gutted about that because... Um, I haven't actually seen them live for a hell of a long time. In actual fact, fun little bit of trivia there, my first ever show that I went to um, when I was 15 years old was in uh, Rock City in Nottingham. Brilliant, brilliant venue. Um, and uh, I went with a couple of friends of mine, uh, Josh Warren and Josh Noon, and a few of the guys that I was 
trying to get into a band with at the time because at the time I didn't really play guitar and I'd only just started picking up bass. So I was trying to wing my way in, you know, get my foot in the door of trying to be in a band. And it was a terrible band. It was a horrible Moorcore band that was influenced by all the shit that was out at the time, like Avengers Sevenfold and My Chemical Romance and that kind of stuff. So that didn't really go very far. But that did get me on the path I'm on now in terms of playing music, playing instruments and being in the band. Um, and something I did to try and you know become friends with them a bit more is to go with the show, uh, uh, you know, go to a show with them. So that show, um, Josh uh, Warren, he was a good guitarist. I don't know what he's up to these days, but he uh, he gave me a ticket, a free ticket to go to see the Trivium show. So this was on the Crusade tour, probably about 2006. So we're going back about 14 years or so now. So I'd have been about 14, 15 years old. And uh, yeah, it was a really, really good show. It was the first live gig I'd ever been to. I wasn't a massive fan of Trivium at the time, but that turned into something where I did sort of like them a little bit more and more um, as we went on. But they were also supported, funnily enough, by Sanctuary um, Annihilator. And uh, I believe there was one other band as well, but I can't exactly remember what it was now, so I'll have to look into that. It's going back quite a few years now. But yeah, I actually, you know, I'd never heard of Annihilator before. I'd had never heard of Thrash before. But I remember seeing an hour later, and they were absolutely fantastic. And this was back when they were really, really good. You know, where uh, Jeff Waters had the long hair, um, you know, all that stuff. They, I think they'd probably just come out with All For You or something like that um, in retrospect. But, yeah, that was a great show. Um, and lo and behold, I completely forgot all about it. And then about, uh, you know, I'd say probably about six, seven, maybe eight years after that, I rediscovered Annihilator when I listened to their self-titled album. And I, I've bought every album they've come out with every, ever since. So they're one of my, you know, favourite bands of all time. Me and the Girlfriend, uh, you know, our special song is an Annihilator song. They mean a hell of a lot to me. So it's always nice to see them come out with a new album. But I was watching their Facebook page and they've got some videos on there. And it was telling me all about all of the stuff that happened. So they, Jeff Waters has been single for a long while. He met his new wife, Angie. Uh, in 2017 at Bloodstock, which I also thought was a bit weird, considering that I myself have played at Bloodstock as well. Um, so that was a bit strange. Um, and it just brought loads of memories flooding back. You know, I remember being there, I seen, you know, stood next to Chuck Billy. I remember talking to Al Drake of Evil uh, for a while and talking to Joel, their bassist as well, bumping into him a couple of times, trying to take a piss. Um, so loads of good memories. Um and, uh, yeah, it's, it's lovely to see a new Annihilator album. It's also interesting to find out that he, that Jeff Waters has now moved to Durham, of all places, and opened up a Water Sound Studios uh, location there as well. And he now lives in the UK full-time, which I thought was incredible. It, it reminded me very much of uh, when I lived with my parents back in Hena, Derbyshire. Uh, and, uh, you know, at the, t- uh, at the time, Megadeth were just recording their new album, which is still one of my favourite albums of theirs of all time, called Endgame. Um, really, really underrated album. Probably their best since Rust in Peace. And uh, funnily enough, that was uh, actually recorded at Andy Sneep's studios, who obviously I don't really need to introduce. He's a fantastic um, guitarist and record producer as well, highly sought after. Um, currently playing with Judas Priest, and he's also in another of my all-time favourite bands from from Nottingham as well, my birthplace as well, called Hell. Um, and that's a fantastic band as well. If you guys have never listened to Hell, you've got to check them out. They're a massive inspiration for Infernal Symphony. So, so yeah, so a little bit of a claim to fame kind of section, I suppose. You know, Andy Sneap's studios um, were about 20 minutes away from where I used to live with my mum and dad. Obviously, I live a bit further afield now because I now live in the West Midlands. But, yeah, it's, uh, it's amazing to think about all these weird coincidences and things when you think about it. Uh, and also, as well, Rock City, the first place I saw my first gig, you know, who'd have thought that 
you know, when Megadeth had just come out with uh, So Far So Good So What and they had a couple of years and then they did a UK tour. Um, it was actually the show after um, they had played Anakin in the UK and it basically incited the riot in Ireland. Um, Dave Mustaine actually came to Nottingham to do a show and it was while he was preparing for the show at Rock City um, he actually wrote Holy Wars, The Punishment Due. So that song was actually written in the place that I saw my first ever gig at. And, you know, as coincidences go, that's a pretty big one, given that Megadeth is my favourite band of all time. So, yeah, just a bit of a weird coincidence train there for you guys. I don't know how I got onto that topic, but it was something that really, really, you know, inspires me. Uh, and it was something that I thought was a bit strange and something very, very interesting and noteworthy and exciting for you guys to listen to. So hopefully you enjoyed that. All right then, uh, guys, so that was a fun little diversion, wasn't it? So, uh, funnily enough, that isn't exactly uh, the sort of thing that I was planning on talking about this episode, but it seems like the sort of direction we've gone in, uh, doesn't it? So, um, I think instead I'm now going to play another quick little song for you in just a sec. Um, I think um, we're going to move on to something a little bit different this time. So, uh, this is going to be a track that's a little more recent than Tapestry because that came out in August of 2018. Um, so this is instead a quick little bit of a clip. It's not going to be the full song because it is quite a long song. But this is one of my favourite songs that I've wrote for Suicide Misanthropy, which came out around about a year ago. And this is a track called Upon the Killing Fields, which I'm only going to play about the first two or three minutes of. But it's basically about uh, some of the uh, the civil wars and stuff that happened uh, in Cambodia, which is obviously a very, very bad situation and affairs. So... Have a listen to this. Um, you know, it's a very, very good song. It's a very meaningful song. And uh, I do believe you will very much enjoy it. So, here we go. This is Upon the Killing Fields from Suicide Misanthropy by Infernal Symphony.
So that was a little bit of a clip of um, Upon the Killing Fields, taken from the album Suicide Misanthropy. I really hope you enjoyed that because it's one of my favourite tracks, my most proudest tracks from that album, from an album full of tracks that I'm extremely proud of. So uh, Suicide Misanthropy was and still is one of my finest accomplishments to date. Um, as I mentioned last month, it's basically an album where every song on the album... Um, basically has something very very unique about it in actual fact the suicide misanthropy album originally was two uh, individual and separate albums uh, one was called uh, suicide serenade which i plan to have as my sixth album and the seventh planned album was uh, uh called uh, mesopotamian melancholy sorry no that's a track off of uh, transformation isn't it what did i call it now i actually can't remember now it's been that long uh, since i did it Oh, God, what did I call that now? Monumental Misanthropy, of course. That's why I couldn't get it, because it, <laughs> it was a, it's kind of a, a mix of a... Because basically, when I, when I uh, you know, realised that I wasn't going to be able to make that album, because basically I pre-recorded both of those albums back-to-back as like two sides of a single coin, and basically the majority of them, save from a few tracks I saved onto my SoundCloud app, um, and the rest of it got deleted when my uh, recording setup bit the dust. So, so I basically had to cobble them both together to create an entire new album. So I just decided to make them, you know, since they were basically two halves of the same whole anyway, I decided to just cobble them together and release them as a, as one full length album rather than two EPs after the end of it. So, but that's why I couldn't remember the name of it there because I, uh, you know, after I realised that the album, uh, the seventh album wasn't going to come out, I just basically, you know took the uh, title of it apart and used those words for the other songs. So that's why you've got, you know, uh, Monumental Misanthropy. Um, I obviously uh, made the album called Suicide Misanthropy instead. So that's the, some of the story behind that. But it's an album I'm incredibly proud of. Um, every track on there is, is really, really good. Uh, Suicide Misanthropy itself um, is one of, one of my favourite songs. It is particularly long though, so I'm not going to play that for you. Okay, so uh, we've reached the portion of the podcast where it's time to try and dig up some of the old uh, monthly recurring segments, which for some reason I seem to have forgotten to actually include so far in this episode. So, unfortunately, guys, with us being halfway through the episode already, somehow, it seems like I'm not going to have enough time for a question of the month this week. So, instead of that, I decided to do a double bill of the uh, the other segment I started last month, which... I believe we called Bandcamp Discoveries, which is basically going to be me recommending a couple of different projects on Bandcamp that I've discovered lately or that I've been aware of for a while. Um, and there's some, you know, there's some really, really good, incredible stuff on Bandcamp rather than just Inferno Symphony, because as good as we are, you can't listen to us all the time, even though we've got enough material for you to do so. So I think this month, um, rather than search for something new, because to be honest, I haven't really been looking all that much for really, really new stuff. I instead decided I wanted to talk about some stuff that I've known about for a while. And this is going to be coming from a couple of my friends. Um, So um, I'm going to go into those very, very shortly. So, uh, the first project I wanted to talk to you all about is something that uh, I've been not so much involved directly with, but certainly been affiliated with for a hell of a long time, once my email uh, noises get out of the way. So, basically, what I wanted to talk about was a tiny little project some of you may have heard of before, called Dark Doom. 
Yes, um, I'm sure if some of you have, have been long-time fans of Infernal Symphony, Symphony, you'll have heard of Dark Doom before. It's basically ran by an incredibly good friend of mine called Alex Wills. He's someone who I was uh, uh, sort of practised for a band for at one point in time when we both lived near Derby. Um, there was a chap who was a really, really brilliant chap I haven't spoken to for an absolute age now called Dave Hambling. Um, but basically, um, I first met Dave when we auditioned him as part of a uh, sort of cover band I was doing it to the time when I was around about 18, 19 years old, and he had his own band at the time called Nihilus, um, and then he, he later on went on to swap that over into something called Seven Ace Five, which I was a member of, and uh, Alex Wills was also a, a member of Nihilus at some stage as well, so we kind of became friends through that sort of connection, and then over time, you know, time passed, we went our separate ways, we've kind of, you know, talked to each other now and again since, Um but um, he's a he's an incredibly good guy. He's a brilliant friend, and I'd, I'd really hope to have him on the podcast at some stage as well. But Dark Doom is his own solo project. Um, he actually told me a little story once that he listened to some of my stuff on Bandcamp before and sort of saw that I was going it alone and doing a solo project. And that basically inspired him to do the same. So, you know, if any of you guys are, are big Dark Doom fans out there, then um, unfortunately you've got me to thank for that in some way so but yeah i can't take all the credit you know alex is a phenomenal guitarist and musician in his own right he's far superior all the production things than i am and you know he writes some incredibly killer tunes and i've been a fan of basically everything he's come out with and he is actually part of something else at the moment which i'm completely not entitled to discuss whatsoever so i'm not going to say anything more about that but dark doom is a fantastic band um They've done um, quite a number of different things. They actually started out as a joke band um, because they kind of uh, originally formed to become like a sort of uh, a satire of black metal. But as these things often go, it turned out that that wasn't actually good enough in the end. And it, you know, actually, you know, funnily enough, became a fully fledged uh, hardcore and serious proper black metal solo project. So, so Alex has released a number of great things um, over the past couple of years. Um, what's now classed as his long forgotten lore demos includes things such as a Christmas song that he did um, he also did a couple of EPs when he was first learning how to get his software set up and, and figure out how to do this whole uh, solo project thing so some of the stuff I really like there personally includes the uh, the long forgotten lore track itself which if these fucking sounds will go away I'll tell you about um, and it's basically a 10 minute long track which is absolutely incredible um, it's it's just one track from start to finish. It's a real, real good album, and it's a good song. Um, and he, he also did uh, the first uh, album, which I'm trying to remember what the name of the first EP was now. Uh, Knocking the Night was the first song off it. I know that much. Um, it's all right. It's been a while since I've, I've checked up on everything, really, because he's been doing a few different bits and pieces recently. Um, but basically, all of those EPs have now been corroborated into one demo uh, release, which can be found at... Dark Doom's Bandcamp, which is darkdoom.bandcamp.com. Um, and then in 2018, so last year, he released um, his first full-length album as Dark Doom, which was called Dust, which was an absolutely grand spanking fantastic album from front to back. And really, really long tracks on there. So, you know, his, his musical evolution was definitely progressing at that point, and he did some real, real good stuff on there. Some very, very long tracks, and, you know, the really, really good Roman Creature, Cosmic Dust... You know, The Struggle, all great tracks. 
Um, some of my personal favourites. And then more recently, um, June 2019, he did his second full-length album called The Journey. And to be honest, as much as um, it embarrasses me to admit this, I haven't really listened to this anywhere near as much as I should have done. And a lot of it, to be honest, partly my own fault for being so busy and working on my own stuff so much. So apologies for that, Alex. I, I think I've spoken to you recently. I have listened to it since we spoke. And it is absolutely flawless on every level. I, I know usually, because me and Alex have a thing where we'll usually send each other preview copies of our tracks that we're working on before they go on, uh, you know, go uh, out for public listening. Um, we comment on each other's stuff, we criticise each other's things in a positive way, try and encourage each other, try and, you know, help each other improve our songwriting process. So it's a nice little, um, you know, uh, it's a nice little cooperation we have. Um, but I actually haven't listened to this um, new album just yet. And it's the most recent thing they've done. I have actually heard a little rumblings of Alex trying to do another album um, in the near future. So I expect that'll be coming out this year. So if if and when it does, um, I'll be in touch with him, see if he wants to come on to this podcast. And uh, I'll have a little listen to that and probably review it on here as well. Um, but yeah, keep your eyes peeled for that, guys, because that'll be really interesting to listen to once that's out. And if you need to check out any of those songs, I definitely urge you to do so. Um, I'm not going to play any of them just yet, only because I haven't asked him for permission to previous to this. Um, but in the future, you can definitely guarantee that you'll be listening to some amazing Doc Do material on the podcast in the future. So listen for that out, guys. Um, also, another one that's similar to this that I want to talk about is a project by a good friend of mine called Andy Lloyd. Um, believe it or not, we were talking about Annihilator earlier. He actually lives in the Durham area himself. And he has another solo black metal project. This one is called Winter Web. Um, which, to be honest, I'm not sure exactly what's going on with it at the moment. It seems like it's a bit touch and go. Because last time I spoke to him about it, he was actually thinking about uh, you know, disbanding the project. Which, to be honest, would be a grand shame. Because uh, he, you know, he's the first one to admit that he isn't the most technical or the most confident with playing guitar or writing his own material. But I have to say, you know, from what I've listened to of it, I've thoroughly enjoyed everything of his that I've listened to as well. Um, it seems as though he gets other people in to do the uh, drum tracks and things, uh, but he's he's a dab hand at guitar. He's good at writing the tracks, um, you know, and he, he always tries to do something slightly different to the form because um, obviously it's always really sort of old school, um, you know, traditional second wave black metal. Uh, but he does try and put his own spin on it and uh, do things a little bit differently, which I kind of appreciate because that's the kind of direction I normally tend to take as well. Um, their most recent release um, on Bandcamp, at least, is called Embers. It's an EP. I believe they do also have another EP, but I'm not seeing it displayed at the moment, so I'm unsure whether that's actually out at the moment. Um, But definitely check that out as well. Um, You can also find them both on Facebook as well. And they're also part of the Midlands Metal One Man Bands Facebook group as well, which I manage. So if you want to join that, find out about these bands and plenty of other solo bands um, and solo projects that are in my immediate area. Definitely urge you to go out and check that out as well. Okay then guys, so I think it's about high time I got to the centrepiece of this month's discussion. And that of course is talking about some of my own sort of, uh, some of my own recording habits, some of the things I do to get warmed up and prepared, some of the guitars and gear that I like to use, um, and just generally a little bit more uh, delving into my recording process. And then after that I'm going to just finally close off the end of the podcast by giving you a little bit of a rundown of some of the projects I've got lined up for this year. Because it's going to be a fantastic year this year guys. 2020 is definitely going to be giving me some brilliant vision but also it's also going to give me a fantastic sense of accomplishment when all said and done so let's not uh, you know beat around the bush any longer all right so uh, excuse me 
Uh, so, all right, so some of the stuff that I like to do in terms of recording. So I'm not going to go into massive detail as to how and uh, what I use to record with, mostly because uh, it's far too embarrassing to actually admit that, you know, some of the crap stuff that I actually use. But to be honest, some of it is there to give me my signature sound and some of it's a bit of a trade secret in some, some ways. So I'm not going to go into absolute specifics with everything but I can give you a good general overview and talk about a few specific things that I'd like to use that is more or less common knowledge or at least something that you could probably guess yourselves anyway so uh, I do have a recording setup I use or at least I did do while it still worked um, I generally tended to not really faff around too much when it comes to recording because um, uh, basically my, my sort of overall approach and philosophy to it is um, you know just trying to keep it as DIY as possible because Although I do incorporate, as you know, some sort of black metal elements, uh, some or most of the time, I wouldn't actually say, I wouldn't classify myself as a true black metal band. Um, you know, because um, Inferno Symphony's always been a little bit of everything. It's had a bit of black metal, a bit of death metal, a bit of doom, a bit of thrash, a bit of progressive, all these different kinds of things. So I don't like to pigeonhole myself into one particular thing. But if I had to say anything, it would be DIY instrumental music. So, uh, So in keeping with that theme... Uh, and with the fact that I never have any money, I've usually just used whatever's been lying around that I've had to hand, really. Uh, Equipment-wise, I'm pretty standard. I mean, for, 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 for bass at least, um, um, one of my favourite basses is a Music Man Bongo, um, which is a five-string gag I had custom-made back when I actually had cash. And it's a fantastic bass, that is. I, I sort of tweaked it a little bit to, so it could fit some of the thicker, thickest gauge strings. Um, and uh, I love that bass to absolute pieces. Um, and I've also had a couple of different bases over the years. One of my favourites at the moment that I've been using lately on some of the more recent stuff is a Westone DX base, uh, which I got for 60 quid off eBay about six years ago. And that is an absolutely fantastic base. Uh, it was a right bargain. Um, and, uh, you know, if you're un un unfamiliar with these, um, they're basically they're not very well known or very much heard of before, uh, uh, you know, these days. And they're quite difficult to get hold of because they were only done for a limited run in the 80s and 90s. And there were uh, a lot of them, I believe, as far as I could find out, um, a lot of those guitars, either the West Tone and some of the Arias at the time as well, um, uh, are basically made, or they were made, at the Michinoku factory in um, Japan. Um, so it was like that was a very specific um, uh, factory where, um, back in the late eighties and early nineties, they made something. They, they, you know, they had a very well-renowned reputation for making fantastic quality uh, instruments at very, very uh, reasonable prices. So. Um, you know, they were easily, uh, I think they were probably around about three, 400 quid at the time when they were made uh, to buy, but they were actually more along the lines of a kind of mid to higher tier uh, instrument. So maybe you're talking six, seven, eight hundred, nine hundred pounds, uh, you know, worth of, of equipment. I mean, it, it definitely shows because that's a fantastic bass. It always sounds really, really good. You'll be able to hear it on uh, Transformation of the Celestial Realm during certain tracks. And, uh, also, my actual guitar as well. So for Infernal Symphony, obviously, it's all about the guitar with my own music that I've released um, as part of the Infernal Symphony. And to be honest, since I started doing this sort of music, I'll say that again. And so, on, to be honest, since I started doing this kind of music, um, I started recording around about, you know, late 2015, early 2016, and uh, obviously since then as well. I've literally... I don't know if this is going to come to us as a surprise to some listeners here, but every single um, guitar-based album I have made has all been made using one singular guitar. And that is a guitar I purchased and picked up 
um, that was pre-owned in a fantastic, incredible music shop in Derby called Rattle and Drum. So if you're ever in the area, definitely go there and check that out. It's a great shop. I can't recommend it highly enough. Um, and basically, I, I bought that uh, for around about 130 quid. Um, and as a left-handed player, most people don't really know this, but I am left-handed, it makes it a hell of a difficult sort of task and a chore to kind of find good instruments at a good price that I can actually get on with playing. And it was love at first sight with that guitar. It is a very late 80s manufactured uh, um, Aria guitar, uh, like I said earlier, made at the uh, Matsumoku factory. Um, so basically, that guitar is in actual fact older than I am, so it's probably approaching around about 30 years old now but you wouldn't really tell it either to look at it or to play uh, to play it or obviously of course listen to it as well and it's that sort of uh, versatile guitar i have actually ended up using it for all the guitars across all of my uh, you know seven or eight infernal symphony guitar based albums so far so you know i don't know what i'd have done if i hadn't found that guitar um and to be honest infernal symphony probably wouldn't exist if it hadn't been for those japanese workers way back in the 80s so thank you very much matsumoko and aria you've really made me an incredible guitar that i really really enjoy playing um and uh you know it's getting a little bit long in the tooth there's a few things that need sorting on it some of it's a bit rusted up and you know uh one or two of the frets are getting a little bit of buzz in them but you know that's what's going to happen if you spend uh, a couple of years making you know 10 albums with with one guitar so so yeah i'm a really really big fan of that So uh, as for the rest of my recording setup, uh, as I say, I don't want to give too much away about too many specific items in there. But to be honest, uh, given how sort of strapped for cash I've been uh, past a year or two, um, I don't really have that complicated a setup, to be honest. Um, to be honest, like a lot of the time, I will generally tend to use Dunlop picks or, uh, you know, some of the Jumbo ones they do. Uh, for, for guitar playing in particular, I quite like those. Um, and uh, there is another one I use, I actually forgot the name of it now, but I basically got them all as a big tub in, uh, uh, it was like in a little kind of guitar picked in that I ordered from Amazon, believe it or not, and it's uh, something I hadn't really used before, but they're some of my favourite picks I've ever come across, and I'm just checking my wallet now, bit of nice foley work there uh, for you, just to uh, let you know, that is actually all the money I have in the entire world, so uh, I'm going to make sure I put that back in there very shortly, but um yeah, well, that was it, Tiger. Yeah, so I've never really used them before, but I would definitely recommend Tiger brand guitar picks if none of you have ever used them before. I've got a gigantic um, sort of guitar uh, picked in with those loaded up in there from the internet, and um, there's all kinds of different shapes and sizes in there. They've got like a really nice sort of pearlescent kind of quality to them. So, yeah, I really like using those, particularly uh, when I'm doing guitar solos. Um, in terms of amps and stuff, I've generally been a fan of uh, sort of Trace Elliott and Ashdown bass amps um, for guitar. I don't really have that much of a preference, believe it or not, because um, I haven't actually really owned my own guitar amp um, that's been anything better than a very basic shitty starter 5 or 10 watt amp. So the uh, the two I use are to practice around the house. Um, I believe um, we have a mini kind of little, um, oh god, what are they called now? The uh, little MX, not MX Audio, it's the ones where it's got like the, the juice um, sort of uh, knobs on it and stuff. I can't remember what it's called now, BB Blaster, I forget the brand name. But I've got one of those and I've also got a little, uh, God, what's it called? I actually can't remember, I'll have to double check that and post it in a future episode. So in terms of actual sort of recording and uh, sort of production techniques, and just basically a couple of little uh, tips and tricks I've picked up along the way. Um, I always put like a bobble or a bit of piece of string or a cloth or something around uh, 
the uh, the headstock of the guitar or the bass to kind of eliminate fret buzz and stuff like that and just to give it a nice cleaner tone while I record. Um, there's not really any specific things I tend to do all the time really because it's basically a case-by-case -case basis depending on what kind of song I want to write, what kind of riffs I'm coming up with or solo lead tone that I want. Um, but, uh, you know, I suppose it's kind of been helped for me slightly given the fact that I always use the same guitar to record Infernal Symphony with. So there's always a couple of presets I tend to use on there. So um, this is quite controversially, I've always been more of a fan of the neck pickup um, rather than the bridge pickup. Um, I find that, especially for lead tones, because there's so much soloing going on in Infernal Symphony music, I find that that tends to cut through the rest of my guitar tones a bit more. Um, whereas if I'm playing live or if I'm playing other, other forms of music, I do, do generally tend to prefer the bridge pickup, uh, or sometimes a combination of the two. Um, Tone-wise, I usually prefer quite a bright tone. Um, I like to kind of get rid of a bit of the mids um, and have a fair amount of bass and quite a large amount of treble. Because um, I find that really gives me a clean, kind of dirty, gringy tone. Um, and I like to have a hell of a lot of distortion. And I actually use a distortion and a wah at the same time sometimes. I don't actually use the wah for the wah effect as such. But it's just more to just kind of boost and bolden the sound up a bit. Um, for the Tapestry of Torment album, there was a lot of songs on that album where I actually employed the use of a sub-octave um, sort of uh, um, plug-in. So in other words, I would have me, say, play... Um, like a uh, a B, for example, and it would then also at the same time automatically play a B an octave or two lower. Um, and there's also a couple of times where I used fifths as well, because those sorts of elements really boosted the sound, particularly with me being a solo project. I've only got obviously the, you know, maybe two or three guitar tracks running at one time on any given song, but that basically makes it seem like double. So it kind of helps boost the bass and you know, kind of just um fills out the sound a little bit more and that's some of the tips and tricks I did for that particular album but by and large I just try and just generally tend to play the, you know, the, the way I can really I've never really had any music lessons I'm self-taught in pretty much every way and I'm not too hot with theory um, but, uh, but they're some of the main things I tend to do amp-wise for my tone um, I like to try and have a decent amount of gain probably about three quarters of the way around um, for, uh, for playing, sort of just practicing or playing live, I like to have a lot of bass, um, regardless of whether I play bass or guitar, because I think that's just old habits die hard, really, as a bassist. Um, I generally have a bit more mids playing live, just to kind of full and you know, to kind of make the sound a bit bigger, particularly if you're sort of competing with other instruments and stuff as well. Um, and in terms of actually the way I record stuff, the way that I use my recording software um, is a little bit different to some others. It's basically, I, I tend to work um, in, in, in kind of terms of riffs rather than, you know, with uh, specific chunks of, of sound. Or I try not to punch in too much. I just try and kind of record to a loop. Um, so I record a sort of bass riff to a drum loop um, and also the, the basic guitar riff as well. Um, and just kind of jam on that for a while or figure out what sort of direction I want to go in in terms of where the song's headed and what my concepts for it are. And then um, once I've got a riff in place, that'll form like the backbone of a song, um, which occasionally um, will become part of the song for the entire way through. But more often than not, it'll just set the tone and the mood for the song. Um, and then I'll kind of riff on that a bit, do a couple of different solos and things and figure out what works and... You know, if any ideas come in mind in particular at that point in time, I'll stick those in and then try and do some variations of those till I'm happy with it. Um, and then uh, I kind of just go from there, really. I just build it up and layer it up, um, go with the flow. 
Um, if I tend to get a bit bored or if I can't really come up with what's going to happen next, I basically just turn off the recording for a bit, jam for a while, and... Uh, Excuse me, if anything comes up um, that kind of relates to the song or anything cool happens that I like the sound of and I feel like it goes with it properly, um, I'll basically add that in and try it out and uh, and a lot of the times that ends up working pretty successfully and that's one of the reasons why a lot of the times when you listen to one of my songs front to back, um, it's, uh, it's not very often that I kind of stick to the same sort of formula. I'll kind of have a couple of different riffs that are all slightly different to each other, but they, they may feature similar sort of root notes or similar sort of phrasing, um, but they're all distinct from one another, and I think that's what helps set my sound apart. It's, it's kind of, it's loads of little fragments that are cobbled together to make something that's a greater piece of the whole, um, and all of the, uh, you know, different elements, although completely separate from one another, all seem to build up, um, and I'm very conscious of that. I like to try and make it... Um, as cohesive as possible, given the way I record stuff, which is very, very unorthodox compared to some other people. Um, but yeah, in terms of like, uh, I don't usually just generally tend to sit down and just try and, you know, write a song in a typical kind of sense and uh, essentially just work on it over time and leave it gestating for ages. I'm more of the opinion that I work best um, when I can basically go with the flow and just kind of just do things on the spur of the moment because I like doing that because it gives me a bit of a more uh, I feel like it kind of makes the the music a bit more exciting and unpredictable but it also allows me to kind of capture the spirit and the essence of the moment a bit more as well rather than having it pre-planned and you know trying to then play it to a very uh, strict sort of uh, you know um, rigorous recipe for the song almost I generally just tend to prefer to just record whatever is kind of striking me of inspiration at any given moment, just so that if I ever do write something that I'm really in the groove of, I capture the best um, take of it first time round. So uh, it's maybe it's a little bit different to some other people, but I find it works for me. I think it helps to give me a very particular kind of sound. Um, and then in terms of effects, we have all sorts of different things going on. Um, like I said, whether it's with the sub-octaves or the fifths, I'll use a hell of a lot of um, reverb um, for particularly, um, not just to you know, kind of smoothen down the sound somewhat, but also to fill up space as well. And uh, particularly for soloing, I like to have a very, very heavy reverb and heavy delay um, for certain passages because I find it really helps to... Uh, kind of I always like rounds you know like when you have like a Christmas carol or like a, a nursery rhyme and people sing it in rounds like row 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 your boat I really like that kind of effect it kind of gives it like an echo chamber kind of feel a little bit like the end of uh, God Only Knows by the Beach Boys where it kind of repeats in a certain pattern that even though it goes on for maybe 30-40 seconds it feels like it carries on forever sometimes I like to do that with certain things like you'll notice towards the the end of the very last track of Transformation of the Celestial Realm um, that track there the climax of that song is only a very, very short segment of the song, but because it's loads of different taps, notes and solos all laid up onto each other with a heavy, you know, hefty amount of delay and reverb as well, it, I wanted to try and make that sound like it was kind of like a supernova or a, a star exploding and all of the different fragments of the rock shattering and floating and flying through space. So, you know, I can do that quite a bit and, you know, depending on what the song's theme is or what kind of sound I want to go for... I'll usually do that and kind of try and make the music reflect the theme.
There we go then, guys. So I do realise we are kind of approaching towards the hour mark if we aren't there already. So I think we're going to wrap things up in just a couple of moments. So just before we do, I'd firstly like to say a huge, massive thank you to all of you who have made it this far throughout the not only the uh, this particular episode, but also if you've listened to more than one episode of the podcast, I very much, very truly appreciate your support and for you giving away your time and patience to listen to this thing because I can't imagine it's easy going all the time. But, you know, hey, if you enjoyed it, more power to you. Thank you very much for listening all the same. Um, so um, that basically roundabout concludes how much I want to go into my gear and my sort of techniques at the moment there's going to be plenty more i can say on the subject but i think we could probably dedicate another entire episode to me rambling about bullshit again um but uh, i think that's about as much of it as i want to do today so um as promised just before we go i'm going to give you a detailed sort of overlining of what sort of things i've got planned for this new year as it is 2020 now um and uh, to be honest, I've got a lot of bright hopes for this uh, for this year, guys. It's going to be a really, really good um, year. It's going to be a really good year for the band. Um, I can feel it already. Um, we just have to hope that a couple of these little kinks, like the uh, recording setup and uh, you know some of the Facebook stuff, get sorted out eventually. Um, but you never know. We'll wait and see. Hopefully, that'll all happen. And uh, this is going to be a few things I'm going to add just before we go on to specific stuff. But in general terms, some of the stuff I want to set out and try and accomplish this year, other than getting the recording set up finished and getting some of the Facebook page issues sorted out, is I want to continue making these uh, sort of episodes every single month. Um, I still am undecided as to whether to do them twice a month. I reckon I'm now at the confidence level and uh, sort of technical stage where I'm probably capable of doing that so if there's two episodes in february next month don't be surprised although to be fair if there's still just the regular single edition of the podcast on the uh, the first monday of the month as normal also be equally as surprised by that as well because i have still completely not decided one way or another so if you've got a specific opinion about that send me a message through through uh by the way i don't think i've gone into how you can do that so if the first time listeners are here right now if you go to anchor dot um fm forward slash infernal symphony it say for example if you're listening to this on spotify or some other sort of method if you've somehow discovered us there but you want to send us in some uh you know voice messages or something to talk about or something that you'd like featured on the podcast feel free to either message me through facebook you can also send me an email at uh dom navarbish at gmail.com but the best method really is sending a voice message through the uh anchor um uh, address I just said there so just to repeat it again it's anchor.fm forward slash infernal symphony there you can access every edition of the podcast th- to date and you can also send us voice messages as well so uh, so yeah so just general stuff I am still planning on having guests on the show um, I've already sort of spoken about a couple that could be featured already so perhaps people like Justin Lucius Alex Wills Andy Lloyd and plenty of other people in my local area but if you guys have got anyone in particular that you can get me in touch with that you'd like me to talk to as well or anyone who, who has uh, you know anything sort of uh, you know relevant to say about any of the topics discussed on any of the episodes then you know feel free to send them in I'm always happy to feature them um, so other than doing the podcast and sort of just generally sort of developing the branding and you know obviously always writing and recording and creating artwork and all the other normal stuff I do I do definitely still have some designs on doing a collaborative album or two so I've got a few people in mind already who I'm going to work with on that um, as uh, as 
far as how much progress has been done on it, um, not particularly a huge amount at the moment. But the talks have have uh, have happened and things are in place, and it's just a matter of working out the the when and where really, and also uh, you know the time scales of everything because everyone seems to be so busy these days. But that is on the way, guys, and I've definitely got some fantastic ideas for that, which I'm not going to go into quite just yet. Um, and I'm also thinking, depending on whether I can figure out a way of recording um, some of my guitar music again, whether it's using my setup or somebody else's, um, just to get me back into the swing of recording guitar albums again, because to be honest, by the time I get a chance to, at least six months, if not longer, will have passed. So I'll definitely be rusty, and I'll definitely need a helping hand getting back into the saddle. So if that all comes into uh, fashion and all falls into place, regardless of whether it's my setup or someone else's, I'm thinking about potentially re-recording some of the, my uh, favourite tracks or some of the most popular Infernal Symphony tracks, and basically doing it in a much more streamlined, professional fashion. And then I'm going to release that as a free... Uh, sort of greatest hits um, album or something like that I've already got one in mind for uh, the dungeon synth stuff which should be coming out towards the end of the year or the start of next year because there'll be plenty more dungeon synth albums by that point I've also got in mind um, I'm realising that uh, some point during this year or the start of next year as well it will be coming up for Infernal Symphony's 5th anniversary since uh, forming so when and if that happens um I'm basically planning on doing, this is an absolute first, nobody knows about this yet, so, you know, consider yourselves honoured, guys. But I'm essentially planning on doing, because um, basically what I found was, I had actually discovered that I'd recorded some extremely early Infernal Symphony songs that even I forgot I'd done, and I haven't listened to them in over four years. So I discovered them recently. So what I'm going to try and do is, assuming I can get enough studio time somewhere, um, or at somebody's house. I'm going to try and touch those up as best I can, narrow it down to the ones I think are the best. Because at the time, before I even did Unholy Persecution, there was enough tracks for me to do a different album. So, you know, the debut album of Infernal Symphony could have been entirely different, and it just never got released because I didn't finish it, and it wasn't as good as I wanted it to be. But some of those tracks, upon re-listening, are actually fairly decent, even though the audio quality is the worst of mine that it's ever been. So assuming I can touch them up to the point where they're somewhat listenable, I'm actually planning on putting those together as a sort of special, um, you know, proto-Infernal Symphony release. So it'll be like an unsigned demo of an unsigned demo band, if that makes sense. So... I'm uh, I'm working my way through that. That may or may not be up on Bandcamp by the end of the year. Um, so that's something exciting to look out for. But in terms of actual official, um, you know, in-progress albums that I've got in mind, um, obviously Litany of Arities is scheduled to come out next month, so hopefully you guys check that out. That's the EP I went over during the Christmas episode, and that's got seven tracks. It's going to be fantastic, and it's going to be free to download, so I hope all of you check that out. Uh, after that, around about April time or May possibly, I've got a, another album which I'm planning, so no one who uh, doesn't listen to this podcast is going to know about this until the time, but since you guys are listening, I'm going to give you the skinny. And that is going to be an album called Libraries of the Abyss. And this is a new Dungeon Synth album I'm planning that is basically taking some of the concepts from Litany of Errors and taking it a step further and adding a, a layer of fantasy and darkness to it as well. And it's going to be even more crazy and unpredictable than ever. So uh, that's going to have quite a number of tracks on it. I'm really excited to release that. Um, so that's something I definitely know for a fact I do have in the works at the moment. There's a couple of other uh, albums that I'm planning on doing as well. 
There's going to be, I assume, some more in entries in the uh, Zealots of the Never series, which is always going to be exclusive to Heathens Club members, so make sure you're on there if you're interested in those. Very, very good concept album and very good storyline, as I went over a few months ago, so check that out if you haven't already. Um, and then we've also got one or two other miscellaneous albums, which I've been working on for quite a bit longer. I've been working on those since about September last year, and... Uh, and basically, there's some dungeon synth albums I've really been taking my time with. So some of them are going to be long concept pieces, others are going to be shorter, but they're all going to form part of an overarching sort of style of dungeon synth music, which I'm going to be pioneering at the later points of the year. So they're going to come out in fairly rapid fire succession. So I'm hoping to do one of those once every couple of months. Um, if not sooner than that. So that is going to be very, very exciting. So, of course, I'm still in the planning and writing and recording stages of many of those Dungeon Synth albums. So, you know, I can't give you massive amounts of info on them at the present time, but you can guarantee um, that when I know, guys, you are sure to be the first ones to know. I'm going to tell you straight away. So, uh, I think that's pretty much about as much as I can go into at the moment, guys. As you can tell by my voice, it's getting very, very croaky and worn out because I've been talking non-stop for the past hour and I haven't had a drink. So, uh, I think, you know, with all that said, I would just like to say, finally, thank you very much once again for listening to the Infernal Symphony Pestilence podcast, episode four. Um, I really hope you've enjoyed yourselves, guys. Um, I, I definitely have a much better feeling about it at the moment. I feel like these episodes are going, uh, coming along a hell of a lot more smoothly than they first started out a couple of months ago. So hopefully you guys agree. Hopefully they've been entertaining enough and they've had enough exciting things to keep you interested in listening all the way through. If you have enjoyed it, please feel free to recommend this to any of your friends, share it about on all the different social medias. Give us a like, have a listen to the music on Bandcamp if you like, as well as the ones you hear on the podcast episodes. I'm sorry we didn't get to more of my favourite tracks, but that is going to be another recurring monthly segment I'm going to do, very much similar to the question of the week and the uh, the Bandcamp discoveries. So hopefully if you enjoyed those at the start of the episode, you'll be in for a lot more of those as we go. And occasionally they might get, might get swapped out for previews of new tracks as and when I write them, or if I've got a new album coming out I'd like you to listen to. But, uh, you know, if we don't have any of those things, I'm just going to show you some of my favourite ones and give you a bit more of the background information about specific songs and how they specifically came into existence. Because I think that was really interesting. It was certainly interesting for me to talk about. It brings back a lot of memories. So I think I've been rabbiting for far too long, guys. So I'd just like to say, as I, as I said a few seconds ago, thank you very much for listening. I really hope you've enjoyed yourselves. My name is Demonic Bishop. You guys have been absolutely incredible as always. Thank you so much for all of your recent likes and support with the Facebook stuff and also for purchasing my albums because I've had a spike of people buying stuff since the podcast debuted. So that's been really good. That's going to definitely help me go towards improving my recording setup and getting back into the swing of things fully. So uh, with all that out of the way, uh, thank you very much, guys. I hope you've enjoyed yourselves. And we will be back this time next month on uh, the first Monday of the month of February. And that is going to be incredible. I've no idea what we're going to talk about, but I imagine I've got something coming up musically that I'll be definitely interested to tell you about. So thank you very much, guys. Have a lovely day or whatever it is that you're going to do. And I will see you very soon. Bye. <laughs>